Welcome back to The Producer Podcast. Shopping is the topic of the day as I'm sitting down with Kaki Warren to discuss producing the film Into the Spotlight and the process for shopping around for the right distributor. So without further ado, let's get started. Thank you very much, Kaki, for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. It's a it's a pleasure, Micah. So, especially since uh, the film we're talking about is kind of your first one that your name's really attached to, maybe kind of share how did you even get started doing this? Oh gosh. Um, well, like doing anything with God, it's a lamp and not a spotlight. And if we see what is ahead of us, we wouldn't do it. So it Very started true. off in, yeah, little micro steps. My daughter uh, wanted to write a short film to help get a reel for her footage. And uh, we had done some other stuff and we're like, sure, why not? We'll do a short film. And um, after she did the short film, it was well, well received at some of the festivals. And um, a lot of parents kept coming up to her saying, you know, we really need a movie like this for our girls. And that kind of gave her the courage to, um, to write it. And she wrote the feature film and we thought, okay, micro budget. Um, we can do this. <laughs> and before you know it, it got bigger and bigger. And um, but with each step, God kind of prepares you along the way. And you don't you don't really know what you're getting into um, in the industry. And like my husband always said, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. It's not mm-hmm. easy. It's a, it's probably one of the biggest sanctification pro- um, processes our family has been through. Because you you work so closely together and closely with your crew, but um, it was just little little bits and pieces slowly. Like we didn't even know what a line producer was. I didn't even know what different we knew nothing. And so when we got into this with Kate, you know, my husband and I were like, well, yeah, we'll just do it. It won't be a big deal. But as each step went, and we said, okay, well, we need this kind of budget to produce this kind of film. Um, you know, we were greenlit pretty quickly, and then after that, we got Lisa Arnold as our director. And she's like, no, we can do it at this budget. We can do this budget. But as we started moving with the producers, it was like, we could do it at this budget, but it's not going to have the excellence that we need in it, especially mm-hmm. with music. Plus going back before that, we'd already met with um, with aggregators and other distributors saying that if you make it at this budget and can bring in this talent, then you're going to have guaranteed money up front and just go straight to Netflix original, like a week away did or something else. So back then, before at the very end of COVID, the industry was still, um, hadn't seen yet the changes that were going to happen with the streaming platforms. So they were still, um, even PureFlix and up were offering a lot more money up front than they do now. And so we went into it thinking thinking that, okay, we invest this much, we bring investors in, we'll be able to get this much plus some within, you know, a certain amount of time. And if we had the certain amount of talent attached, it would bring, you know, better, better interest back for our, our investors. And so we just went with it and said, okay, because, you know, you believe you want everything with excellence, but at the same time, looking back, um, that's, I mean, I hear that, I still hear that in the industry. Um, and I think I can be, err on the side of being more negative when someone's asking me questions, because I see that um, we need to have lower expectations as far as what happens on the other side of distribution. But until you've made a movie and then over a million dollar budget, and then you're not able to get your investors' money back um, as quickly or maybe ever, 
it's a totally different feeling. So I don't um, look back and think on the people that while they gave us bad advice, because they gave us the advice that the industry had happened so far, but then COVID had hit and things changed. Mm -hmm. So, um, so before we knew it, we literally were making a movie um, like two weeks before, no, three weeks before we had new producers come in, which was amazing. Justin Tolley and David Cook. And when they came in, they brought a whole new crew and a lot of the actors, because before that, back up again, I'm jumping ahead. We were sad because if we were sad and could get these names, that will help us get our investors or money back. So, but we kept going out to people and they wouldn't respond or they say no, or they didn't want to work because of COVID and fears of the disease and everything else that was going on back then. And so I think... <laughs> Looking back, once again, I could see these micro steps, like God would say, take this and we would take it. And then like, even when we were filming weeks in advance, we had no, we didn't have our music done. We didn't have a cast. We had Lee Allen Baker. We had Kate playing the role of Laura. And um, that was really it. Like we, we recasted it because we went from SAG to non-union. So we lost our SAG actors and then um, whole new team. But it was just like, God just wanted to clear the deck and bring in the team, his perfect team for the project. And I think that's one of the biggest advice I can give any producer is hold everything lightly <laughs> because every day, like, you know, Micah, something changes. It's just mm -hmm. like, of course we lost our DP. So we got a new DP, you know, a week or so before, um, which is a whole nother story, but the spotlight has one miracle after another. Like we would get to the point where we would freak out or kind of freak out and say, okay, God, what have we done? We have no music, this and this. If something doesn't happen, we've got to put it on hold. And that night the song would come through or we didn't have the voice of the microphone. Five days out, no voice of the microphone. I literally was so exhausted. I just told Kate, you need to go find the voice of the microphone. I don't know how, but just go look up some names. We'll reach out to them. And literally she prayed, typed in the name, someone from The Voice from Franklin, Tennessee, and Rizzy Meyer's names popped up. I went on Instagram and just sent her a DM. And within a couple of minutes, I'm on the phone with her. She's all in. And um, Rizzy ended up writing two more of our songs while we were still in production. So it was like God just had to wait till that last minute. But when he waits to the last minute, he gets all the glory. So yes, glory to God, bringing Rizzy Myers and our songwriters. I mean, it was amazing. It was a once in a lifetime experience. Um, but there, like my husband says there were times I thought it was going to eat us because <laughs> you're just, you're working together in a whole different environment. My husband did amazing things with the music and the legalities of the music. Like, I mean, it, it's just, I never knew producing, um, an executive producer had to do so much. And on some projects you don't, but this project, mm -hmm. um, I guess God was determined to teach us um, a lot. So it's <laughs> like drinking from a fire hydrant. So from when Kate wrote the film, we produced the short film. Six months later, we we did, we wrapped on the feature film. And then six months later, it was in the can. And then it, for a whole, for a year and a half, um, it was in limbo where God just kind of said, not yet, just a divine delay after divine delay, which he, I think he just wanted to take us through a two-year desert journey to um, humble us and make sure that we knew this was his project and that he was going to use it with whatever way he thought was best. And we had to pour it out and just say, it's yours and um, tie us to the altar if you need to, but um, it needs to stay there. And so, um, yeah, looking back, what we thought it was going to be 
is not what it is. It's far greater when I watched it than I ever thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's ended up and landed and the journey of where the movie is going is not what I thought. But how often is that with God? You never, he knows what's best for us. I think I praise it that he gives me what he knows what's best and not what I ask for a lot of the times. But um, so yeah, so I went from being a stay-at-home mom to being a producer and drinking from a fire hydrant and not knowing you can do thinking you can't do many things, um, but with God, he's shown me all things are possible. Or if you can't figure it out, he brings someone that helps like Tolly and Cook, who kind of just took the reins and um, did wonders, kept us under budget and got us to post-production, which doesn't happen a lot with small mm-hmm. independent films. They never make it through post. And we made it through post and we still have funds to help push it out. So nice. We're so yeah, we're so fortunate. They, um, they stewarded us our project very well. So when Lisa Arnold went over and beyond the call of duty, acted as producer, we didn't have producers and, you know, found locations and rooms. And so we, God gave us the best team. He gave us his Isaac. So I'm grateful and um, hope to do it again. It's exhausting. I don't know how people go from project to project like you do. Um, <laughs> you're, a different, you're a different breed, but, but, um, but I'm excited to see, you know, where he takes us next. For sure. So maybe, uh, especially since the film is so new at this point, it hasn't even been out for a month yet. Um, maybe just give like a brief, like what it, what is the film about for people that haven't heard of it? Awesome. The film is about a young girl who gets caught up with a magic microphone and gives her this amazing voice. And she goes on a journey to decide um, to tell the truth and be true to who God created her to be or to live a lie. And she chooses, well, you have to watch the movie, but, um, but it's neat because throughout the film, you don't hear, you don't hear the name God mentioned, but you see the divine interwoven, whether when the father's talking, you're fearfully made, or one character says, look up, not out. Um, and then the music intertwines God over and over again in ways we didn't even see coming. And it's about friendship and family, forgiveness, um, loyalty. And I think, what Kate really wanted to do is to bring hope back to her generation. And this points them to, to hope, which is in Christ alone and finding your identity in Christ alone. Um, and the music does that too. So um, it was amazing to see it come to life for sure. Jumping back just a little bit to kind of the beginning of this journey, like what was your ideas or even, I guess you could say plan with the distribution, especially as a first time filmmaker, I feel like most of the people I talk to, they have like this whole vision for what they think it is. And that's not how it works or goes at all. No, it's not. And you base it and it's fun in the film industry to base it on what other projects have gotten. And it's a lot of them are NDAs, but you can kind of figure out. So if you look at a week away, what they made it for and what they sold it for, they doubled their profits and then some, but it was a Netflix original. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you kind of think a lot of people that even when I meet with today, it's like, well, where's this film going to be? And I'm like, you really don't know on the front end where it's going to be unless you let them come in and produce it and have some control over it, which is always you can do. But with a faith-based film, if you work with a secular company, um, it's very, it's, it's very risky. Um, so I think going into it, you talk to people and ask certain people that would give you, um, not false information, but it's not, it's not what really is happening. So distribution, our attorney, when we, um, we're working with her. She said, I was like, 
well, how do you know which one's the best one? And she goes, well, they're all demons. You just have to figure out which one's closer to the devil. And I was like, wow, nice. And so, yeah, it's just, it's a crazy, crazy um, industry and distribution holds all the cards. Um, It's very slanted in their, their direction, not with all of them, but a lot of them. And the streaming services, we have no idea how many watches we get. Um, you just, you don't know. And then if you get in bed with certain distributor, distributors, you have no clue um, what that contract is going to entail. And so you think, oh, we're going to get these contracts and it's going to say guaranteed money up front. And I probably the first contract, this, well, one of the big first ones that came in with a big distributor, um, we literally wanted to throw up. We're like, what have we done, God? What have we done? We thought we would have this stuff and it's like none of it. And you could end up owing the distributor money because they could not even put a cap. They won't even put a cap on their spend. So they could say, oh, well, it costs 50,000 to go to Sundance. I missed your, I mentioned your project at the dinner. So you're going to pay for that trip. And then I'm going to have the poster remade, but I'm going to use a friend and I'm going to, I'm going to say they're going to charge 5,000. So you could end up owing 250,000. Um, they have no skin in the game. They don't put any money up front. They don't put no money into marketing and end up then pretty much owning your movie for 15 to 25 years right now is what they call the standard um, contract of how long they own it. Okay. It's, yeah, it's crazy. That's Now that's what we've heard from a couple different um, distributors were 15 plus years. Some One was 25. Um, so yeah, it was like, wow. Um, so just really, you really just really have to pray a lot mm-hmm. of prayer and to pray not to be deceived and trust that whoever God, um, brings you with to the partner with, um, that you can trust them as much as possible, but it's, it's all in God's hands, but we did end up working with, um, a good distributor. Um, so now we just, but we still have no idea for numbers. You'll know, you won't know your numbers until the first quarter. Okay. And this is another thing we learned, guaranteed money up front. So even if they give guaranteed money up front, like one distributor for over a million dollar project, we'll give you $35,000 up front for guaranteed money. And then we're going to own 60% of the cut. And I mean, it was just one thing after another. So it's really have a good attorney to look at those contracts and be careful. Yeah. Be careful what you're signing. Do your due diligence. There's great websites where you can go and read, um, what do you call it? Like people that have worked with these different distributors mm-hmm. for red flags and that's eye-opening. So do your homework, talk to people, go on their website, see who they've worked with, reach out, you know, see if you know someone that knows somebody. Um, right. They can't say a whole lot because of their NDAs, but you can at least see if they've made money back or not. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, there's no telling. And even if you go with a Pure Flix or Hulu or whatever, that money is paid quarterly too. So if it's 20,000, you get it through quarterly for over two years. So you think you're going to be able to pay your investors back with a lump sum, but really you're not. Um, so lots of, there were lots of curveballs for sure. But um, good questions to ask your distributor. I was thinking, well, what did I learn to ask the distributor? Is there a cap on spending? <laughs> and what are we responsible for? You're going to be responsible for all of it. So make sure there's a cap. How long is the contract? And then, oh, another one is they can sell your movie in bundles with much bigger movies. Mm-hmm. You get about 5 to $10 for the entire thing. So like if they were to sell Spotlight with 
you know, maybe Barbie or a bigger movie to, to Brazil, Barbie gets all of it and you get 10 cents on what, however many views you get. So just, yeah, just ask the right questions. Oh, and who will have final say? They can have final say. They can re-edit your film. They can edit your poster. They can do whatever they want. So make sure you find out who has final say on, um, because that then then you you've given up all rights and they can make it whatever they want to make it to fit into the secular world too, um, and to help it sell. But then it takes away your message of what God's told you to tell the world. So definitely, lots of fun. Yes. Um, so one thing I was kind of curious just about hearing, because uh, obviously this was not only this was your first film, definitely more in that indie space. Um, why did you kind of go more that route of taking the time to shop it around and find a distributor as opposed to going that just like completely self-distribution route that so many try? Self-distribution, you're going to have to go through indie films or film hub. And even to get into Tubi, you have to have an aggregator. To get on Amazon, you need the aggregator. I think YouTube you can get on. So you need some aggregator to get you in there. Mm -hmm. So, um, and there's no other way to distribute it. So some people can go self-distribution like that for lower budgets. I totally would have done it. But I think our purpose, what we what we felt God was calling us to do at the at the very end was we wanted as many people to see this. Yes, we would like to make the money back for the investors, obviously. But our priority is to um, shed light into this generation and um, and point them back to Christ. And so at that point, we just want to get it out there so people can see it. And so that's why we went the way we did with our distributor. Then like during this process of like shopping, I guess is kind of how I would, would call it. What was maybe like the biggest thing that surprised you about that process? I think you get to the point after two years <laughs> where everything is just kind of like, of course, Lord. Um, what surprised me the most was probably the guaranteed money some of the platforms offer you up front or the distributors do. Mm -hmm. uh, like everyone says we need more content. Great. We do need more content. There's nothing to watch. But then um, the faith-based community doesn't want to put their money where their mouth is either. So whether it's truly boycotting the um, platforms that are, you know, promoting the things they're promoting and then putting their money into a streaming service that does things with excellence, and, but does projects that rival those projects. It, we have to be almost to the exact same level to capture, especially the younger generation. Um, so I think one of the most disheartening things I learned is looking at all the platforms and seeing that there's no platform for YA right now, young adult, like even Hulu's mm -hmm. got rid of it. Um, Netflix has left it because they they see that these young kids are watching mature content. So there's no reason to feed them um, content that um, might enlighten them, inspire them and become free thinkers. So it's all woke. So it's just it's it's disheartening. But at the same time, I truly believe there is breakthrough coming for so many people in our industry. Everybody I talk to is looking for funding 
Um, I think if we had a model like the angel for the faith-based industry, um, we'd see something very different, but that mm-hmm. would ask to pump it out quicker. Even angels aren't pumping out their content quick enough to keep up with the set, how quickly the kids are watching it or adults. Yeah. Too. So um, we're just not doing it correctly yet. And I don't know what that is, but I'm sure praying we figure it out um, for such a time as this, because we need, we need it now more than ever. Um, yes. It's totally worth it. Every it's all worth it, but it's a battle for sure. Having been through this whole process, if you were to do another film in the future, like, would you do it the same way? Are there, is there something, especially on the distribution side that maybe you would do differently the next time around? I think it depends on the film. So okay. if it was rom-com, um, like another, like, let's say we did another, like the sequel to Spotlight. Um, I wouldn't want to be the only production company with skin in the game. Um, I would prefer another production company to come in and co-labor, be co-laborers. So even mm-hmm. working with, you know, a bigger production company or a platform that we're like-minded enough to partner with, I think is great. Um, but then it, 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 I think it just, that question depends on what project you're working on. It's really hard to have distribution on the front end unless you're working with Pure Flix or Up or all the other ones on the front end, which is possible. Um, but it, will they do it to the level of excellence you want is what you need to think about. So um, that's where it gets tricky because young adults, uh, the level of excellence needs to be even higher than what we did. Mm-hmm. And we need to all take it to the next level to recapture this generation. So um, I would make the budget higher and um, I would have more help. <laughs> so like for the, the next project we're doing, a bigger production company to come in and kind of umbrella and put an umbrella on us. And so I can learn from them also. Right. And um, so that I believe each project needs to be better than the last one. So um but looking out, I don't, it would be great to plan, Micah, and say, yes, for instance, my next project will be on these platforms. But the thing is, those platforms still aren't going to give you a lot of money up front. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the big thing is partnering with the right, it's not really the names anymore that get you the views. It's influencers. It's, so whatever your project is in, I would partner. I think it's better for marketing to work with influencers or music companies. If it's a musical, um, there's, I think every project you learn something, honestly. So how you would do the next one, I don't think you want to plan too much because I think God's just going to laugh. <laughs> you just want to say, take one day at a time. How can I honor God today with the project and take it one day at a time? But don't, I mean, obviously have goals mm-hmm. and have a plan of attack, but be quick to pivot if God says to pivot, because if you don't, it's just destruction and <laughs> heartache. So it's better just to get it over with and pivot because he does, he knows best. Yes. So, so plan, plan away, but most of the plans we planned for spotlight, um, all of them changed for the bet for the better. They did. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are where we are and we are who we are now because of the, you know, because of part of that process, that journey. So it was fun. <laughs> yes, I bet. One other question here before we start kind of wrapping it up, I was kind of curious and is, I know you guys did like a 
local theatrical kind of premiere for the film. And especially it seems like in the indie, but even more like the indie Christian space, when a project isn't going to theatrical distribution, they don't bother with that. So like, why did you do that? Was there, was that like part of your marketing plan or was that just kind of a fun thing for like those that worked on the project? I think it was a fun thing for those who worked on the project. And I think we wanted to finish strong. I think what we get so exhausted at the post-production that we wanted to be able to stand on top of the mountain and declare God's faithfulness and goodness and celebrate um, what he did, not through with us, what he did. It was all God, the team he brought together, the actors, everything was all God. And so we were able to recount God's faithfulness. And I think when you go into another project, remembering how God was faithful in the last project is what's going to get you through the next project. So I we have a jar um, full of all the miracle memories. And like, so the, the next project already has them in there. You can tell because they're different colors and there's over about 200 in there at this point. Okay. And I'll literally, when I'm having a down day, just like Moses did, and all the all the men, the prophets and heroes of our faith, they all had memory rocks on their altar and they would go back and recount those God's faithfulness. And so I think as our family, the night we wrapped, we went home at two in the morning and just sat there and said all the amazing miracles God did for our family in this process. And I wrote them down. And then the following, um, like six months later, when we had it in the can, we were together again. And I said, okay, tell me more. And so I wrote those down. And then I just, I really think that's what one thing we're missing is remembering his faithfulness. And so um, that's what I wanted to do that night was to remember his faithfulness and point up to him and celebrate because we couldn't have done it without any of the people there. So it was a celebration. We didn't know what was going to be on the other end. Premieres don't help you promote your movie. Um, mm-hmm. And we did it and still made SAG upset. We pretty much got things from them saying, you know, you're going to be blacklisted or whatever. It's no big deal. We're not SAG, um, but it's okay. You know, That's we don't serve crazy. SAG. We serve God. So it's yes. okay. <laughs> so yeah, starting then here to wrap it up with just some a few final questions. And a couple of these are a little bit more general. They don't necessarily apply or have to apply directly to distribution. Um, but first, like, what would be a piece of advice you would give to somebody who is like, just getting started producing their first film? Oh, right. Make sure it's what God's calling you to do. Just because there's a calling doesn't mean you're called to do it. And, um, and go and find people to learn under, I would say go work under people first, like look for the Justin Tollies and the David Cooks and you, Micah. I mean, your journey, you start from the bottom and you just work your way up mm-hmm. and God kind of started us up here and now has gone and back and let us, let me line produce, let me learn locations. And I'm an awful line producer. It didn't work. Um, but all, I was a scripty on a set, like all these different things that God's let me do. And I hated all those jobs, but it made me appreciate the people on my set who did them. Um, like you just do not understand how important each position is, whether it's from the art department to the scripty, 
to the crafty table that keeps everybody happy and keeps the blood sugar level. I mean, it's, it is a team. And even though you can't see those people, um, you need to know their names and, um, it's, it's a team effort, but really working those other jobs really gives you an appreciation, um, and a better understanding of what they do too. Mm -hmm. So you know how to for success. Um, so I would say start at the bottom and work your way up. And um, I think it took the Irwins 20 years, I can only imagine. <laughs> so it's not overnight successes. And look at Dallas Jenkins with the Chosen. It's, his wasn't an overnight success either. Um, and so be, and be okay to fail. Failure is um, the best learning opportunity. God sets you up to create. And we're going to make mistakes and from those mistakes we learn. And that really is a, a, a season of preparation so that when it is time for your big break, you're prepared and being ready to be propelled into that, into the next chapter. Um, so just don't give up, do it afraid um, and network and put yourself out there. I think that's one thing that I love working with young filmmakers is them constantly sitting like, Hey, this is my new reel. This is an actors too. What, do you have any jobs? Constantly checking in with people, send your resume, send your reel, um, go to the conventions. And you, it's just a lot of legwork. Lead, it's relationships. Build those relationships and work with people you trust. So that's what I would say, but got to start somewhere. Yeah, definitely. And then, yeah, you kind of beat me a little bit to the punch there uh, with my next question. Um, uh, but obviously filmmaking is very hard uh <laughs> there's uh, no guaranteed success in it what would you advise filmmakers that are dealing with some of that failure whether it's a project they've been trying to get greenlit just isn't seeing the light of day or maybe they did finally re release something and it like completely bombed and just yeah how do you deal with that and keep going oh, i love the quote that said courage is not the absence of fear it's going forward in the presence of fear and so you literally just have to keep going forward and um, knowing, I mean, Thomas Edison did 2000 different experiments before he got the light bulb. So if he had given up, we wouldn't have the light bulb. So I think you just can't give up. You have to keep pushing through. And when you get tired and exhausted, go look at those people, the Irwins, Dallas Jenkins, the Kendricks, their first film to where they are now. Go and look, read the autobiographies, watch YouTube, but nobody is an overnight success. And if they are, great, that's awesome. And I think a lot of times we look at people that are successful and we're like, oh, I wish I, I, wish I had that. But if God shows you what he had to take them through to get them there, you're like, yeah, I don't want to do that. So just be careful, you know, just pray. Um, and I think the biggest thing, don't compare yourself to others. Your journey is different than someone else's journey. His timeline for you is different than their timeline. And that's the biggest joy killers when we compare ourselves, whether you're an adult or a young filmmaker or actress. Um, and always keep, just keep keeping on and do it afraid. You, it's the only failure you're gonna have is if you quit. That's the only time you're a failure. So if you keep failing and you keep moving forward, it's called success. And what success do you want in the world's eyes and finances? Or are you doing things for the kingdom? And if you're doing what God's called you to do, his applause is the only one that matters. But it is easy to get discouraged. We've been there. Mm -hmm. We still are in those places. Um, praise him. 
do a lot of praising because when you're you praise, you know, don't complain, just <laughs> figure out what he wants you to learn and get it done so you can move on to the next chapter. <laughs> yes. You've sh you've shared a lot of great stuff. Um a final question on the distribution side is like if there's only one thing that you've said when it comes to distribution that somebody takes away from this episode, what would you want that to be? The distribution, if you look at it, is very depressing. You don't trust the distributor. You trust God. If it's God's project and you have to rest in it. So it's easy for me right now. We can't get on Amazon for some reason because our server's having issues. Um, so it's easy for me to be like, well, let's do this and let's do this and let's do this. But could it be that God just doesn't want it on Amazon for some reason, or he's protecting us in some way? So rest and trust God. You can't, there's nothing you can do. Only God can part these waters. Um, so I think you pray, 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 and um, ask for discernment, seek guidance and wisdom from other people, which we did a lot of different people, and um, have plenty of money in your budget for P&A, even if you don't go theatrically. And trust a lot of it's a lot of trust. It really is. So just do your homework and ask lots of questions. And you're gonna you're interviewing them just as much as they're interviewing you. And so if you have a red flag, it's okay to walk away. And normally when you do and you go back and try to renegotiate the contract, you get what you want. So don't be afraid to push back. The worst they can say is no. And if they walk away, then that's a closed door and you don't want to go through it anyway. Mm -hmm. And don't rush, don't move in haste. Just take your time. Um, it's just a process. <laughs> That's for sure. My final question is just, and obviously this will probably keep changing some, but at least currently, where can people go to see Into the Spotlight? You can see Spotlight on all direct TV platforms. So like anything with Fandango, Comcast, Spectrum, Infinity, and then Apple, iTunes, where else is it? YouTube, Google Play, uh, and hopefully Amazon, uh, whatever God <laughs> wants it to go on there. And then so the first the first three months, you're on the first tier, and then you go to the next tier, and then the next tier. So it's it's a learning process on each one. It's never a dull, and that's another good thing about distribution. It's never a dull moment. That's for sure. So I, I'd, I'd enjoy a dull good. moment occasionally, but uh... <laughs> I know. I know. I totally agree. But when you have those dull moments, it's normally when God wants you to be, sit and be still and um, kind of get ready for the next, the next battle that's coming. So, and it's never over, even when a distribution and then you do your foreign distribution. It's, it's a, it's a process, but it's fun. Well, we're going to go ahead then and wrap up this episode. Uh, so thank you very much for taking the time to come on today. Thank you for having me anytime. And with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of The Producer Podcast. Until next time, make sure to subscribe to The Producer Podcast, and thanks for listening.